0: and welcome to my hearth. Now, we're going to have to go back a little bit in our storytelling journey to link to somewhere we've already been, and that's the end of the Trojan Wars. Now, we looked at that when we were considering the story of Agamemnon, but we're going to have to look at one of the other Greek heroes, and that is Odysseus. And he forms the basis of the story, which we now call the Odyssey. The goddess Athena spoke to Odysseus in his dreams. Now, this is a very common storytelling device. Some did it in disguise. Uh, Zeus himself is famous for this. Others appeared in person but very many of them decided to appear in humans' dreams. Because Athena was the goddess of wisdom, she very often had to impart quite complicated thoughts and ideas to the particular human she was talking to. Odysseus was whom she chose to pass on some very big ideas, the main one being, of course, the plan for the Trojan horse, the wooden horse of Troy, which caused the beginning of the end of the war. The idea was that the Greeks would build a wooden horse uh, that was hollow on the inside and allow soldiers to hide inside it. They were going to leave it outside the walls of the city of Troy and pretend to go. This wooden horse would be seen as a gift to the gods of Troy because uh, the Trojans, as it were, worshipped horse gods. Horses were very important to them. Uh, They were a land-based city and therefore horses were part of their everyday life. Stories would very often have this ironic element to them of using what a particular group of people worshipped, as it were, as a weapon against them. Um, People sometimes overlook the fact that all the plagues of Egypt in the Bible that Moses gives to the Egyptians are actually the things that the egyptians worshipped yeah you want to worship flies well have some you want to worship frogs we'll see what it's like you want to create blood sacrifices well let's see what happens when the whole river turns to blood in this similar way the greeks used the trojans worship of horses to get them to take the wooden horse into the city as it were as a gift to the gods not realizing that there were um, greek soldiers inside it beware of the greeks bearing gifts some people also say that um, never look a gift horse in the mouth might also partly derive from this particular idea although its more literal meaning is the fact that you could tell the age of a horse by looking at its teeth. So you didn't want to realise that you hadn't been given perhaps quite such a good deal as you thought. Now, these soldiers, when they came out of the horse, were going to do the thing that people hadn't been able to do for ten years, and that is they were going to open the gates of Troy so that the rest of the Greek army could come in and ransack the city. The plan would only work if the Trojans believed that the Greeks had left. So after the horse has been left outside the gates, the Greeks have to pretend to sail away. Now, because they're not really going away, the Greeks make a terrible mistake... I said to you in an earlier podcast that one of the things that sailors had to do when they were embarking on a journey was to make some kind of tribute or sacrifice or oblation uh, to the god Poseidon so that they would have a successful voyage on a calm sea. Now, because they weren't really going away, they were literally sailing out of the harbour, hiding for a bit and then coming back, they didn't do that. Therefore, in the process, they didn't do what they should have done for the god Poseidon, and he was very angry. During the course of the whole war in Troy, Poseidon had managed to stay clear of choosing sides. Now, uh, he'd become part, as it were, Uh, of, of the whole ruse to end the war. And he was particularly angry with Odysseus, because it was Odysseus who passed over the plan from Athena to the rest of his Greek allies. And so symbolically, from Poseidon's point of view, Odysseus was the ringleader who had been part of the whole plan where he, Poseidon, had not been dealt with properly. Now, I've already said that Poseidon doesn't give the Greeks in general uh, a helping hand on their way home in the way that he did on their way to Troy. But for Odysseus in particular, he sets up all sorts of things, all sorts of obstacles in his way to getting home storytellers like to repeat various elements of a story so that it sticks in people's mind. This was particularly important for the Greeks because most of their storytelling was done orally. It wasn't people reading it in a book. There were professional storytellers who, as it were, told the story perhaps in uh, feasts or at entertainments or even in religious rites, They would tell the story in a very particular way, and the story had to be memorable. When you're trying to make something memorable, it's a very different process if it's being spoken to you than if you're reading it. Obviously, if you're reading it, you can go back and read it again and check what you've read. But when you're listening to it live, sometimes you need a helping hand, you need particular language. That will be memorable. It'll be vivid. It'll have various poetic devices in it. Uh, it might have memorable phrases in it. Odysseus himself, uh, in the Odyssey, is always described as being a, a man with a shield like a tower. So that particular image becomes so memorable, you know, it's him. Now, on his journey home, Odysseus has added, as it were, to the list of gods who are against him. Remember that on the side of the Trojans was the goddess of love. That's because Paris, the prince of Troy, had chosen the goddess of love in the particular judgment of Paris. So, Odysseus has got the goddess of love against him on his journey on the way home. Also now against him is Poseidon, because of what happened with the wooden horse of Troy. These are two very powerful gods. If you are doing a long voyage by sea, you want Poseidon, at least, to be neutral to you, and certainly not against you. Moreover, you don't want the goddess of love to be against you, because obviously she's in charge not just of romantic love, but also friendships and all the things that make human contact. Therefore, Odysseus's journey becomes fraught with many dangers. They are both physical and spiritual they're human and emotional. In a poetic repeat, the Trojan War itself had lasted 10 years. It then takes Odysseus 10 years to get home. So he is away 20 years from his home. The Odyssey is very different to the story of the Trojan War, the Iliad, Which preceded it, because the Odyssey is about one man's journey. He becomes the hero of his own story. He and his team of sailors are on this journey and face various um, crises and troubles. The thing that makes the Odyssey so spectacularly important as a form of storytelling is that the hero himself. Odysseus is asked to make lots and lots of decisions during the course of the storytelling, and every time he makes the wrong choice. He is human and makes mistakes. What's equally important is remember that the goddess of wisdom is on his side He often chooses to make mistakes in the area of human contact, especially love. And he is challenged by love in all its variety. He is seduced. He has to deal with desire. He has to deal with difficult friendships. But each time, although he makes a wrong choice with his heart... His head comes in because the goddess of wisdom gets him out of the situation. It's classic storytelling, isn't it? Where the hero keeps making mistakes, but then he is inspired, literally, to get him out of it by thinking about it and having a plan. He also relies heavily on his team, on his crew of sailors who, for the purposes of the journey, become like his family. Without them, he wouldn't make it. So these are some of the important elements that we've already identified. The hero is trying to get home, and there are various obstacles in his way to his getting there. He is reliant on the people he is travelling with, to help him do it. And he is also having to rely on a goddess, the goddess of wisdom, who is helping him navigate, in emotional ways, the challenges that he faces. Let's consider a couple of the challenges that he faces, because we can see the the very good storytelling elements in them. One is that the sailors have to go past the sirens. Now, these are uh, spiritual beings, strange beings, uh, that would be like the origins of our mermaid story. They're half women, half fish, and they sit on the rocks and they lure the sailors to their death on the rocks by singing to them and the sailors are drawn to the siren's song. That's quite difficult to say without lisping. Um, Now, what Odysseus realises is that if the sirens know that the sailors can't hear them, then they're going to attack the ship directly. So he has himself tied to the mast. All the other sailors plug up their ears with wax so they can't hear the song. He can hear it so the sirens know that they are making contact. However, the ship manages to sail away and isn't lured onto the rocks. Now notice from a storytelling point of view, Odysseus himself goes through the trial He hears the sirens, the other sailors don't. But he actually faces it and goes through it. That is part of the hero's journey, to actually face whatever it is that has to be faced. By hearing the siren's song, he is fooling them. The sirens think they're making contact and they're not. But this is a classic storytelling device of actually turning the tables on the enemy that you are facing. Also, he couldn't have dealt with the challenge without the rest of his crew helping him. Now, next time, we'll look at one of the other challenges that Odysseus faces, and that's his adventure with the Cyclops, the a uh, one-eyed giant son of Poseidon.